take a uh, take a small loan. You could sell a child <laughs> or a child's kidneys. <laughs> the thing about children is they actually have kidneys. Us adults, all we have are adult knees. Uh, <laughs> I see we did that. I've never heard that one before. Really? Um, what is my primary use case? Well, it's a phone. So I guess. <laughs> Yeah, Using so a probably a Motorola <laughs> Razor would be best for that use case. <laughs> no, I well, I do all the normal things: checking email, mm. social media. Uh, in fact, I need to use it for work, social media management stuff from time to time, fairly regularly, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do take quite a few photo uh, photos of uh, my children on there as well. But like I said, it's not. Uh, like I said on Slack, it's not my only. I've got a SLR I can right. lift out of its case and hold in position Have if to I round. really need to go to the effort <laughs> of doing so. Yeah, yeah. Here, um, here's my here's my problem. I have an iPhone 7. It's well out of contract. Right. I could go on to like a $50 a month plan using my existing handset, which would give me 30 gig of data per month. Uh and I think it's unlimited calls and text messages and stuff. I could go up to an iPhone XR, which I still don't know why we call it XR because it's clearly an X and they don't use the Roman numeral system for anything other than the X. But anyway. And the Super Bowl. Let's, let's not annoy people. Let's not annoy all the Americans who That's want to call it XR. American football. Yeah, I know what that or is. Or you would call yeah. it soccer. No, we call it NFL. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or gridiron, actually, is the other thing people call it here. Um, anyway, so I could go up to, I think it's like around about $80 a month for 80 gig of data. That's an iPhone XR. 80 gigs of data? Uh, yeah. Holy cow, man. <laughs> yeah, so jumping from 30 to, uh, what was it? What did I say? $49 a month for 30 gig of data up to $79 a month for 80 gig of data. And if I pay an extra $10 a month, $89 a month, I would get a hundred gig of data and an iPhone 11 instead of an iPhone 10R. Now you keep saying gig. Do you mean gigabyte or gigabit? Because gigabit would make sense in this context, given how the volume you're talking about. Gigabytes. All right. Cause in America we go from like two, four, six, eight, and then unlimited. Like, I mean, maybe there's like a 20 gig plan, but like, Hmm. Yeah, we don't have like tens of gigabyte plans. Yeah, right. Well, I'm on one at the moment and I go over it every month and then it costs me an extra $10 for every gig that I use up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so usually I end up using like three gig at least more than what I have on my plan. So right. I'm paying like $80 anyway, roughly, whatever mm-hmm. it is, give, give or take, um, because of the extra data charges. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like, you know, do I just pay that amount and get way more than I'll ever need and get a better handset right. or I stay closer to where I should be price wise and just get enough data to cover me and hope to goodness that my iPhone seven doesn't do something disastrous in the next 12 months in terms right. of breaking down completely or something because I've already noticed like the, the um, lightning connector thing is kind of loose. Like you stick it in there and it falls out real easy or <laughs> I'll be Ooh, in the no car traveling. I'll be in the car traveling somewhere and it'll, I'll be listening through like through the um, lightning cable into my stereo system because my car's too old, doesn't have Bluetooth. Um, it was 2012. You'd think it would have Bluetooth, but anyway, uh, it's so yeah, it'll just like cut out mid podcast or whatever. 
that kind of thing is happening. Um, plus it's only 16, no, it's 32 gig, which is like always maxed out. Ooh, I can yeah. just never, I can never um, have enough <laughs> space on my phone. Yeah. If anybody so, could justify an upgrade, it's you. The only other question is, did, would you, would you consider doing a, uh, like just buying a used 10 R rather than, you know, and, and activating that on your network rather than doing the yeah, monthly? I suppose I could. Um, it would work out in the long run. It would work out a lot cheaper. It's just a bigger initial right. outlay. Because I think they're probably, well, I've been looking a little bit on Facebook Marketplace and it seems like sevens and eights are still going for like four or $500. I don't know what your dollars are, so I can't, I can't relate. Uh, <laughs> so like $1 of our money is like 50 cents of your money or something like that or seven. I don't know. Well, that's an easy it's, conversion. It's something really bad. <laughs> um, 400 to USD. A do- so a dollar of US is a dollar 50 Australian. Yeah. All right. So, so not that's quite what I said. But. That's 270. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's a little on the expensive side for like a seven, I would think, unless it's got a lot of RAM. So here you go. iPhone 10 R uh, anywhere between 750, 900. I wouldn't pay 900 for one. They're not, not worth that new. 800, <laughs> 890, 850. Yeah. So between sort of 750 and 900 is what people are selling them for. Yeah, the, the 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 frustrating thing to me is like the tenor is a really good phone, but the I described this to you on the Slack. The color on the Elevens really feels like whoever was behind it. It like it feels like Canon color. You know how people talk about how like when you take a picture with Canon out of the box, it just looks good. Skin tones look good. Grass looks good. Skies looks sky good. Like uh, yeah. The iPhone is the first count. The the 11 series is the first one where I really feel like that, especially in low light and in high dynamic, uh, like situations with high dynamic range. Um, Mm -hmm. So I really, really like the 11 and I'm probably going to like, like every phone going forward from that in, in that where (laughs) what I mean by that is like, I think we're not going to see a huge improvement in that regard because there's not much more improvement to be made. Like maybe they'll add another stop of dynamic range, but it's at a good place right now. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is I feel like with the 11, we've hit something where like this is the plateau for a while. Um, that the, that the 10 R was, was not, but I also like, again, the 10 R is a good phone. You'll get good pictures from it. Um, Mm -hmm. it's got a really fast processor, really fast GPU. It'll last you a good long time. Even if the lightning connector breaks because you're stabbing it like a maniac, which must be what you're doing with your seven. (laughs) It's got wireless charging. So what do you care? No, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not stabbing it. You're just like trying to jam USB C in there. I just don't like my seven. I've I've never liked it since about six months after I got it. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, really, I think, I think both are good phones. Um, the other thing is that the, the 11s are a lot better at video, I think. Um, but again, Mm -hmm. like it's really just like, what are you looking for? Like go, go, go to Flickr or to, uh, Instagram and search for hashtag shot on iPhone 10 R and is Flickr still a thing? I I think so. Yeah. (laughs) Flickr used to be where I went whenever I wanted to like, when I was comparing cameras, I would go look at Flickr 
to see posts tag or to see photos tagged with the camera that I was looking at. And, yeah. and I would do the same thing with lenses, mm-hmm. but yeah, Instagram's probably better for smartphone stuff anyway. Uh, so you go there, you know, just look around. Um, you can look at the reviews too. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, this is kind of something that only you can decide because it's just a matter of, do you want to spend money or not? I think, I think it is worth the money if you can afford it. That's what I would say is if it's, if it's affordable, if you're still going to be able to make all your other budgets, I think it's worth the money. Um, in a way that I think going from maybe the, like the eight to the 10 wasn't, or even the, the seven to the 10 wasn't. Oh, okay. At least the seven plus to the 10. If I was just going from a straight seven to a 10 R, you don't think that's worth it, but you think it's worth going to an 11 from no, the 10 R the 10 R is a noticeable jump over the 10 in a way that the 10 wasn't over the seven. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah, it's complicated. I think there are too many iPhones. (laughs) There have been years where when you compare camera to camera year over year, you wouldn't say, it's oh, just upgrade for the camera. But I do yeah. think that this year is one of those years where like, again, if you have the money, if it's not a, a burden, I think it's worth the money. Well, the only, the main reason for upgrading is actually to save money, <laughs> which sounds right. crazy. <laughs> but because my current plan keeps chucking me $10, $10, $10, $10, it's, a, it's actually costing me at least that amount, if not more every month. Yeah, that so doesn't make a lot of sense it, to me. Like in America, you don't have to get a new phone when you get a new plan. Um, oh, you don't No, I don't have to either. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. I could just go, I could just get a SIM only like a, a you know, basically a SIM plan, right, which but- is, is giving me more data than I've currently got on a cheaper cost or on the same cost, uh, and use my existing handset. It just means I'm stuck with my iPhone seven right. until I do something different. And, and given how old it is and the problems you're having with it, like it just makes sense to me. This is a good time to upgrade. So it's just a question. Of, I mean, you could, you could save a whole bunch of money and go buy a used, uh, eight or 10, uh, and you know, lag behind again, depends on how much money you want to save. I really, mm. really like the, especially the, the 11 pro because of portrait mode. I think that portrait mode has hit a point now where even in low light, I can get very filmic results. Um, I don't know if you saw so my flogging portrait mode, but it's all, it's all software based, right? Whereas yes. the 11 is using the multiple camera system. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also just better. Like the, the, the it has significantly <laughs> more, uh, AI power, gotcha. uh, for what it does. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, well, that makes sense. That helps somewhat. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm I a big fan of Boca. Like I found an app called focus. Uh, so mm-hmm. users of iPhones out there, this app called focus lets you not just define. So like when you take a portrait mode picture on your iPhone, the depth data doesn't give you foreground depth of field. So like if you have foreground, your subject and then background, like you're shooting through maybe a window or through some, uh, maybe some uh, tree branches or something. Um, like if you were shooting with a real camera, the foreground would be blurred. The subject would be in focus and the background would be blurred. Uh, but on mm-hmm. the iPhone, when you shoot with just the default camera app, it doesn't blur the foreground. And I think there are probably right. complicated reasons for that because it's, it's more noticeable if you mess up that blur on the foreground and it's overlapping your subject. Um, uh-huh. But with the um, 
with this app called focus uh, and this works even down to the seven plus with this app called focus you can set your uh, set your focus point in post uh, which is really cool. So you just kind of tap and it focuses on that and it will blur the foreground too. You can define the shape of your um, the shape of your bokeh. So I don't know if Greg you've ever played around mm-hmm. with like old vintagey lenses where the bokeh like looks mm-hmm. swirly. Uh, if you watch the yeah. the dark night you get to see like there's a lot of like really unnerving shots and if you look in the background not only is it blurred but it's also kind of swirling. Um, so yep. you can like define and all those kinds really of things cheap lens. You get like a, a mixture between a circle and a hexagon. Yep. Yep. Cause it doesn't round the <laughs> edges or it doesn't have enough blades. You can define how many blades you can also, there's another trick with, with big cameras where you can put a filter on the front that will shape the yep. bokeh. You can apply that uh-huh. in post. You can also get like fringing um, where like you huh. separate the RGB channels a little bit. Just, just so it's like chromatic aberration. Um, yeah. but just in the bokeh, uh, you can add noise oh, wow. dust to the bokeh. Like it's, it's really, really cool. I have some of these tools in like the compositing 3d work I do. And it's really cool yeah. to just like take a picture of my nephew and then apply all those effects in post and get this like photo that looks like it was shot on something from like Zeiss in the 1970s. Um, <laughs> with like the dynamic range that you would expect because it's, it's the 11. Um, like I love that. I think that there's uh oh and and focus also lets you paint in like um on Jim's flogging selfie I had to go in and there was a little spot that the that the um that the software missed the, uh, when I took the portrait mode photo and so I just like mm-hmm. painted in the depth map uh to fix it. Hmm. While you're doing all that work do you do you kind of sing to yourself boca 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 Boca, no, boca. <laughs> oh, okay. no, I'm exclusive somebody. Cool. <laughs> cool. I wasn't saying. I wasn't thinking I'm just you'd be worshiping, <laughs> worshiping through like Tay's chanting or something. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I'm looking at so Focos is F O C O S. Is that right? Yeah. And Halide was the other app you told me to get. Yep. 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 On my brand new iPhone 11. That's what I would do. That's uh, that's what Sarah has. She likes it too. Oh, and and ultra wide is a lot of fun, and and it's also just really useful to like maybe like especially if most of the shots that you're taking are like either indoors or just like it's difficult for you to back up. Like you're trying to get group shots. Um, ultra wide can be handy. Yeah, see, I was thinking, I was thinking about that. I saw the ultra wide thing, and I was like, that's one of the things I like least about iPhone photography. <laughs> like, <laughs> I used to do for, I think there was probably a year or something where I basically exclusively did iPhone photography. Um, I used, I used to listen to the tiny shutter podcast all the time and, you know, got featured by them a few times and stuff. And it was just really like a, it became like a really strong hobby for me, but that was back in my iPhone four and five days. Hmm. And since then, I guess, I don't know, one of the things I really don't like about them is as they've improved, I kind of assumed that the telephoto or the zoom capabilities would drastically improve. And I don't really feel like they have maybe the new, I don't know, maybe you can convince me otherwise, but the, maybe the three lens system helps with that a lot. But I feel like an iPhone is already so wide that ultra wide is just like, I can't imagine myself wanting to use that. <laughs> yeah. Cause my preferred photography style is usually cropped in. Like I, you know, I only really use, and maybe this is from my film school days. I tend to think of wide shots either as landscapes or establishing shots. And the mm-hmm. interest for me usually comes in 
close-ups. Like that's where the emotion is. That's where yep. you can pull something out of a scene that other people may not have focused on, but you've chosen to focus on and feature for people or, or draw their attention to. Um, I don't know. So iPhones, I feel like they're already pretty darn wide. <laughs> like yeah. unless I'm on, unless I'm on, on the edge of the Grand Canyon or something and I'm trying to, you know, show the whole thing, not just the wide-ish view then. I don't know. Yeah. That's not a huge selling point for me. I don't think. I mean, I'm, but having, having the dual camera system, maybe in general for the portrait mode and stuff like you were talking about before. Yeah. I'm a big fan of wide, um, for a variety of reasons. I like the, um, I like the ability to set context. So this might be the, uh, tech reformation teaches photography podcast, but, That's um, okay. <laughs> People will That's tell you, like, let's say you have a fixed lens, like you just have an, an iPhone six or something and people will tell you, oh, you can zoom with your feet, but zooming with your feet is <laughs> fundamentally different from actually having a zoom lens. Um, and uh-huh. until you've like worked with, uh, worked with like zoom lenses or worked with a variety of focal lengths, you don't really notice this. But the biggest difference is if I have, let's say I have a fixed lens, it's just the standard iPhone lens, right? If I get closer to my subject, when I do that, the amount of background that I'm getting, the amount of the subject's background, uh, like, like, um, what's behind the subject. Like, let's say that he's, uh, let's say he's in front of a brick wall. Um, if I get closer to him, what you'll start to see is the Craig, you can help me on this. Cause I'm, I'm struggling to articulate this. <laughs> the depth of field. No, it's, it's or the angle of view. Yeah, it's the angle of view. Like, like what ends up happening is as I get closer to him, the number of bricks that start to disappear on the sides of the frame disappear mm-hmm. relatively slowly. Whereas if I zoom yeah. in on him, the bricks behind yeah, him you're actually just cropping them out. Exactly. The, the bricks behind him yeah. get uh, they 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 get cut out just as quickly uh, relative to his face as if I were as uh, as me zooming in on him. This is really hard to articulate. And what you need to do yeah. is just like pull out your iPhone because every, every try it yourself. Yeah. Pull out your phone <laughs> and like pick a, you know, a vase or something and, you know, notice the background and get closer and notice how slowly you crop out the background as you move forward and then back up to the same location and just pinch to zoom and notice how quickly the background starts to starts to be worn away. Yeah. At. And the, the reason I love wide wide with bokeh, like I love like a good uh, 28 millimeter, which is roughly the, the focal length of the iPhone uh, at yeah. F 1.8 or 1.4 uh, because what you get to have is like tons of context around your subject, but you're also pushing it out of focus enough to where it's not distracting. Um, yeah. So I'm a big fan of that kind of shot. But another thing that happens when you do that is you distort the subject's face. So if you try to get a close up with an iPhone, uh, not just because of the, the shape of the lens, but also because as you get closer to things, they become bigger. Um, Mm -hmm. relative to the things that are not closer to you. This is the same reason why when you're driving down the highway, like if you look out the window and you you see the the stripes going by, they go by really fast, but the trees in the background go by much slower. Um, that effect is, is the same thing that's distorting the person's face. So nobody wants a shot of themselves with a distorted face. So anyway, (laughs) all of that to say, um, 
Yeah, I, I do like having the, the this is the other thing about the 11 Pro specifically is this is the first time that I've felt like even in relatively low lighting, like like in my in-laws dining room that like that's been th- their dining room. It's a nice dining room, but in terms of lighting, it's been the bane of my existence the entire time that I've been married <laughs> to Sarah because they always want me to get like the birthday pictures and I basically have to bring a mirrorless uh, camera to do it uh, because I just can't pictures <laughs> are like the bane of my existence in general, because it's a, it's this moment that's over in like 30 seconds anyway. And it's just like, when do you ever look at them? Unless it's like a hundredth birthday or a 50th birthday. When are you ever going to look at that picture again? Well, in like two weeks when, (laughs) when they're posted and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, this is the first phone where like I pull it out in that context and I get good pictures, even with the zoom lens. Cause the other thing about the zoom lens is because it's, it's telephoto ish. Uh, it can't do, uh, as slow a shutter speed because hand movement will affect that more. Uh, because since it's magnifying the image, your shakes are also magnified equally. Um, and then also used to have a lower aperture, uh, or a, a, a smaller overall aperture, which let less light into the camera. Whereas now, Mm-hmm. it's pretty dang close to the other camera. So you can just, you can just use it and you can use portrait mode. Um, and like in that context, you still have to take a lot of shots and the number of hits is going to be lower than if you were there with like a $2,000 mirrorless. Um, but like, what did mm-hmm. you expect? Like you pulled this thing out of your pants pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think I, yeah, I agree. I think was that using the night mode on the iPhone 11. Um, or is that just using like just relying on the better low light capabilities in general? Yeah, just relying on the better low the light. The night mode thing seems to the night mode thing seems to me to be a little bit of a gimmick, as in like if if something is taken at night and you want it to look like it's taken at night, night mode doesn't seem to help with that. You know, I've kind of <laughs> yeah searching for your car keys in a dark um, car park then night mode will help light it up like it's daytime. But in terms of actually having a photo that's true to the scene in front of you, night mode seems a little bit like it, it pushes it too far. I felt somewhat similar, but the the thing that I would want to do is shoot with night mode. One thing that's really remarkable is that it's not just using a lower shutter speed like you would with like a mirrorless. It's doing something to like preserve stillness of like your subject. Your subject still needs to stand relatively sti- still, but if they blink during that three seconds, like it's going to somehow through machine learning and computational photography, not catch like a blurred blink over their eyes in a way that like a mirrorless would or a di- digital mm-hmm. SLR would. Um, but I've looked at most of these photos and I've just thought, you know, if I just could have like a Photoshop curves filter and just drag that middle point down or basically, you know, go into the, uh, go into the photos app and just drag the exposure down a little bit. I think it's going to look pretty nice and it's still way better than what you got, you know, with like a 10 R or a 10 because there's no grain, um, which is obviously fairly important. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, cool. That's that's given me some things to think about in terms of cameras, at least. Um, uh, do you want to talk about anything else this week? <laughs> that's I'm pretty sure question. our listeners will be like, "Oh my goodness, how self indulgent." <laughs> um, that is a good Mind question. Mind you, I do like the idea of every now and then doing some kind of iPhone photography type episode, or or just smartphone photography. photography. Because that, that's the other thing yeah, is smart, you could go pixel. You could go pixel. No. Although if you no. went pixel, you'd have to go the, uh, the pixel four XL because the regular pixel has terrible battery life. That's like saying you could go jump off a bridge. Like why would you do something <laughs> so uncomfortable? It's a good camera. <laughs> it's just, 
No, sure it is. The, t- the trick but, with Android phones is what you need to do with them. If you are a sane person, this should be our topic, honestly, <laughs> is not by is <laughs> immediately wipe them and install a vanilla version of Android with no Google services right. and do not have Google assistant. Yeah, see, I'm just not, I don't know. I just don't think I could take that, take that leap. I think I'm too set in my ways in the uh, Apple ecosystem to change to a pixel. Although I've heard good things about the pixel three as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Whatever. I'll think about it for a couple more hours and then make my decision and go and pull the trigger on something. Mm, well, let us Maybe know what you do. Maybe even a SIM only plan. Hey, did you get yeah, your uh, plan with my iPhone seven, your phone with no features yet? My light phone that can call and text and give me directions. And that's it. Uh, that's arriving on Wednesday. It came from Illinois to Louisville and then from Louisville, Kentucky to botany, which is in New South Wales, Australia. So it's in Australia. It just hasn't arrived in Adelaide yet. Botany. So it'll take a couple more business days. Like the study botany. of plants. No. Well, yeah, same word. Okay. But Botany Bay. There's a place called Botany Bay in Australia, which is where I think where Captain Cook first landed or something. That's the cereal guy. Cook the ties. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Um, no. No, hang on. He No, he first landed. I can't remember. I'm thinking of Admiral Crunch. <laughs> Captain Crunch. He's been promoted. <laughs> Oh, okay. Same thing. See, we don't have that here. That's a cereal I've only heard about in movies. It's like a mystical cereal that I don't even know if it really exists. So wait, how are you going to do this two phone thing? Are we going to call you two, two phone Craig? It's a good thing. One of them is really light. I used to, yeah, (laughs) Uh, it's, it's too light. Even it's the light phone too. I used to be called, um, Craig two chairs at my old church. Cause I always used to do, use two chairs to prop up my bass amp to keep it off the floor. So that the bass sound waves wouldn't go through the floor. Mm, um, mm. But you don't think I should be playing bass guitar in church anyway. So that's that conversation. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, we can talk about that. <laughs> we could, <laughs> we could, we could go full bombing Gilead. <laughs> oh boy. Even I disagreed with some things in their most recent episode, but um, probably for different yet. reasons that you did. Okay. Um, I've been slow anyway, on podcasts this I week. Think doing, I think that I think they're doing a good job. I, I'm sort of interested to keep listening. Um, so what are we talking about? Craig, two, two chairs. Yes, I'm going to use that on weekends. I'm going to use well, light phone on weekends. Hmm. So you sound like a really wit- rich white guy. Like this was my weekend phone. No, it's not. Well, the light phone was like, what was it? Four hundred dollars, I think. Which so in American dollars, cheap. everyone is like two hundred and seventy-three. Yeah, but see, I'm not going to... I think that'll last me a long time. So I see that as a really long-term investment because like it does... It, for what it needs to do, I could have bought, I guess, a f- like a flip phone <laughs> or, a, or or used my old 3210. Um, also, uh, Tank, that's 29,693.94 Japanese yen. Yen, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> it it will give me what about our New Zealand listeners, David? Do we have um, those? <laughs> well, I'm sure we do. We've last time I looked, we had listeners in Russia and Turkey and all kinds of places, but I'm pretty sure they listen to half listeners in Russia. <laughs> Why not? I I I just have my doubts. I get lots of hits from Russia on everything that I do. 
yeah, most of them well, cloudflare tells me are example. threats there's yeah there's some in peru and all sorts of places as well but anyway um oh you keep making making me lose my train of thought <laughs> what are we talking about chinese yen japanese I'm like, yen pardon. i'm like joe last week <laughs> you know the live phone i see is a real long-term investment because if i'm only using it weekends and it's really it's really just to help me build better habits and I, and i think the price over time plus the benefit in terms of lifestyle and uh yeah habit building and all that kind of thing i think in the long run it will be worth the price that i paid for it plus it was just kind of one of those like early adopted treat myself things i never buy new tech just for the sake of buying it i only really buy it when stuff something else breaks and or is starting not to work properly mm. So this was like one thing that I was like, I want to try this. And my wife was like, okay. Cause I think she thinks she, I think she sees the benefits as well. So mm, mm-hmm. yeah. So I will have two phones. I'll have a separate number for weekends. And I'm almost thinking about basically just putting family and a few close friends in there in terms of contacts and leaving it at that. Hmm. Cause I actually just don't want to be very disturbed on the weekend. Now, which days um, for you are a weekend? Saturday and Sunday. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. Regular weekend. So right. I work Monday to Friday full time. Uh, and then I just want to make sure it was the same thing in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. We may be on the bottom underneath side of the earth, but you know, time <laughs> doesn't actually work differently it's for like us. Tuesday and Wednesday are our weekends. <laughs> nope. Yeah. So anyway, I think it'll, yeah, I will have two phones. I'll have two phone numbers. Unfortunately, Australia doesn't do the shared SIM thing that America does where you can have one number split across two phones. Um, Meh, One number right. split across two phones. Oh yeah, that's yeah. not exactly easy in the US either, isn't it? I don't think so. I actually don't see why it shouldn't be. Really, I don't see why you shouldn't be able to like port a SIM across to another SIM. But I think sometimes on some carriers you can just like swap. Like like that's how when I got my new phone, that's what I did was I just swapped the SIM and everything seemed to work. But like, like trying to do that every other day is probably going to break something. <laughs> yeah. You're going to break your SIM. Tray no, I mean quickly. on the, on the network's end, but yeah, there's oh, also see. that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So I'll be two phones, Craig for a while, but yeah, it'll be fun. Mm. Anyway, that's coming on Wednesday. So my next topic for tech reformation is going to be maybe about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess we'll have to wait until about. the following Wednesday, at least because you've got, you've got to use it over a weekend. Yeah, true. Yeah come on we need some other topic that's tech related that's not anything to do with me oh my gosh um, fire away we could do joe's topic that he wanted to talk about yeah more apple stuff just everybody really, will love that really annoy him i have another apple topic do you hear about the new macbook okay. pros is this a joke is this like did you hear about the time when no no did you hear about them Oh, no, I didn't. They released new MacBook Pros. They scale up to 64 gigs of RAM, 8 terabytes of storage, and 8 gigs gigs of of VRAM. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Finally. What what the blazes? So you've got like a a Pixar rendering farm in your MacBook Pro that you carry around. I mean, mean, that's a lot of RAM. It is a lot of RAM. It's Yeah, you would use that more for simulations like uh, physics and, uh, you know, smoke. Sure. That sort of thing. Um 
Yeah, but so like that's what my main rendering computer has. When you plug has. your electron microscope into your MacBook Pro, things like that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing is like it is the MacBook Pro, right? So like, shouldn't it yeah. be able to do that? I guess so. It's but honestly it's been being geared more for creatives than for. Well, yeah, but like Houdini um, artists are creatives. True, true. Uh, another thing would be like it would benefit Lightroom because uh, Lightroom will just go ahead and like load a bunch of uh, photos into RAM. Uh, mm-hmm. And especially if you do, you know, if you're using like the uh, the a seven R three, which I think is like 60 some megapixels. 16 inch retina display, man. That's a big screen for a laptop. Yeah, but it, the laptop didn't actually get any bigger. <laughs> I mean, it got like, huh. it got like a, I don't know, maybe, maybe a, a few millimeters bigger. Uh, oh, so it did get bigger. They just got rid of the bezels <laughs> primarily. Okay. It didn't get noticeably I mean, bigger. I mean, I've seen 17 inch laptops before, but I've always thought 15 was as big as I wanted to go. It does look cool though. The, um, even the website for it looks cool. Have you been to the website? I have, and yeah. Like scroll, scroll down and seen the, how they've got the screen flipping up. Yep. That's pretty cool. So, David, would you get one of these ever? Like, That's is this my plan. on your radar? I'm, uh, I'm so going to be you- selling my... Because right now I have a laptop and a desktop, and this is the first time mm-hmm. that I've been like, oh, I can finally have one computer. I'll be, I'll be one computer David. Two one phones Craig David. and one computer David. <laughs> oh, man, you sound so much more like environmentally friendly than me or something. <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Craig's just walking around with like tech falling out of his... Uh, <laughs> falling out of his pockets and David's trying to go minimal plastic that I'm adding to the environment and emissions from charging everything all the time. Um, so you, do you consider yourself someone who defies limits and changes the world? I do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. That's actually, that's my Twitter bio. Uh, and, uh, my, uh, vanity plate. (laughs) David McCookie (laughs) defies limits and changes the world. So if you want to at him, any of your hate mail, Questions, queries. (laughs) Yeah. That's this world. I know. I defy those (laughs) limits. (laughs) Oh, I see. Yeah, I change the world. And you're hoping Relight will change the world, right? Semper Reformanda. One Presbyterian at a time. (laughs) Yeah. I'm hoping uh, Jim Jim likes to call out the app to make people to make people more Presbyterian. (laughs) I'm worried about that guy. I, I hope he stays on the light side. <laughs> oh man. Um, that wasn't a good topic either. That might, that might just all get cut because <laughs> everybody's sick of Apple stuff. But can I just be Why honest with you? Why are people sick of Apple stuff though? Like can I just, can you go yeah, ahead. Of course you can be honest. No, well I just think people who are sick of Apple stuff and listen to this show probably shouldn't listen to this show. In a world be sick where of Apple most stuff of America like, made him. They are the technology. They are the, the king of, <laughs> of sort of day-to-day technology of our time. So well, you, it's, I guess it's like, tricky because it's like, what are you, what are you using technology for? Like I know the, the reform devs, uh, I saw some critiques of our podcast where they were like, Oh, they're all about like the consumer side of tech. And like, it's fine that we are that way, but their preference would have been to hear about like advents and databases and programming languages, which we also could have been called the tech well, reformation. That's more of a dev reformation than a tech reformation. Then that's fair. That's my goal is to turn this into the dev reformation. You want to learn Python with me? I'm out. I I was keen <laughs> to learn Python, Python back on, but back when I was looking into blender. Um, oh, right, right, right. But since my 3d animation days kind of came to an end, 
mainly because I just don't have time to spend on it anymore. And I felt like it was kind of time intensive. Uh, I don't really have any interest in, and I'm not doing web design anymore. So yeah, Python, I'm fine with not doing any programming. That's what Relight's Mm. built on. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, no, but yeah. can I be honest so with you? I've got nothing against programmers. I just don't do it at the moment. So it's not really something I'm, and I'm not like, oh my goodness, I want to look at some code. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just not really what I'm hankering for. Can I be honest now? Yes, you can. I think that, can, can this be, is, is it okay if I do a hot take? Mm-hmm. I think, I love your hot takes. I think just people the ones. who use Google services extensively or use Amazon uh, Alexa, mm-hmm. uh, Amazon Echo, pardon. Uh, I have to bleep the other thing I said. Uh, people who use Amazon Echo are kind of insane, especially if you're a Christian who holds <laughs> views that are becoming less and less acceptable in our society. Like, I, I, I think that it's just short sighted. But don't you have a Gmail account? I do have a Gmail account. I've been meaning to move away from Gmail, but to be honest with you, like most of the Christian stuff that I do and talk about doesn't appear in my Gmail. Like if you, if you data mine my Gmail, it would mostly be advertisements from B and H. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not that it doesn't, it's not, you know, if I had extensive discussions about relight or something like that in my email, that might be more of a concern. Um, you have a separate email for real like a hosted email for that. I do. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, like <clears throat> I just, you just think Google is, even though their thing is don't be evil, they are evil. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know if it's going to be the corporations. I don't know if anything bad gonna hap- is going to happen. Like I, I would say there's maybe a 30% chance of something really bad happening and Google or Alexa, sorry, Google or Echo or you know, Amazon <laughs> data being used to uh, find Christians or like 30% is maybe a little high. 15%, let's say. There's a 15% chance of in the next 10 years that that proving to be a really bad decision for Christians. But I just don't think that it's worth that risk. Are you a conspiracy theorist, David? No. I just, I just don't worry about that kind of thing. Like I just don't... It's not on my radar. Right. But that's that's the thing. <laughs> it's not on your radar. Like, I mean, one of the reasons that we... Like, if persecution comes then persecution comes and we just have to in, like deal with it. I mean, even Endure Paul it, like, hid in a basket when they, when they snuck him out of the city. Like, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm all up for sort of being safe, but uh, I guess it's drawing a balance between being safe and just living your life. At some point you need to go, you know what? There's risks in everything. But you obviously just think Google's too big a risk. I do. I th- well, I think it's a big and unnecessary risk because there are alternatives. So who should I be hosting my mail with? Yahoo? Fastmail is a good one if you're willing to pay. Um, I don't want to pay for email. <laughs> it's not that expensive. It's like paying for, that's like paying for, I don't know. Um, something you, you shouldn't have to pay for. Yeah. Uh, D- David Latchett actually had some recommendations when we talked about this at, a, at another point. I don't have them handy, but he'll probably put them in episode discussion again. Yeah. Um, you could host your own server if, with Linode. Um, I could. You could like, honestly, I'd be more comfortable with Microsoft mail. 
Yeah, like Office 365 or whatever. Yeah, especially especially if you're on one of their enterprise programs because they have to they have to be very careful about making sure that they don't have access to your data. Mm-hmm. Uh, does does DuckDuckGo have a mail service? I don't believe so. No. Hmm. It'd be cool if they did. It would. They should do that. Might suggest it to them. <laughs> but yeah, or, I mean. I'm not going to say that they're not going to say like, Oh, you're in sin. If you do that. But I do think that if you're, especially if you're like a photographer or a, a wedding, uh, ba- like if you're in the wedding industry, if you're in one of those industries where people could get sued and that information could come in handy in a, in a future court case, um, I'd be really nervous about using those. And maybe that's part of it is like, I do wedding photography. I do engagement photos, uh, wedding videography. Sarah does a lot of hand lettering stuff for weddings. Like it's very possible that, Oh, I see you mean getting sued for not wanting to do certain types of weddings. Exactly. And stuff like that. Exactly. It's very, yeah, okay. it's very conceivable that that could happen to us. Although we're going to be more clever about it than, than the people who have been sued thus far. Um, mm-hmm because we just want to have it in our contract that we can say no for any reason. And then we just, and, and that we don't have to tell you why. And then we'll just say no. Um, but even still like they could turn around and say, Oh, well we think that it's because of this and then try to prove it. And I don't know whether Google's going to help in that endeavor. Like the, it'd be hard to get it legally. Um, but if somebody knows somebody at Google or, or at Amazon or, yeah, I don't know. These these services that just listen to you all the time and collect that data, that that bugs me. Mm. Fair enough. I don't have a problem with that. It makes sense. And I'm I must admit, I, there is something about Google that worries me a little bit. It's not like I have no concerns. I don't know like Ben at one point was talking about how he has his um, you know, like all his photos synced to Google Photos and all this kind of like that kind of thing. I don't know that I'd ever go down that road for the same for just just because I don't like one service having every single you know access to everything basically. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, I really should get Risks. off Gmail. <laughs> uh Was that enough of a topic for you? Mail. Are you happy now? Yeah, no, I'm fine. All right. I'm just I just <laughs> want you to be happy, Craig. Oh, I think that's what our well, listeners thank want you for too. Thinking. Thank you for thinking of my needs. Um, no, I'm I'm fine. I I just wish we had a topic that was not so meandering and piecemeal. Yeah, well, we <laughs> are like, the two guys talking podcast. Here's a little bit of that. Well, we could always actually um, talk about the thing you wanted to talk about before, but I don't see how it's related to technology. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> oh, oh, instruments uh, and worship. Yeah. Yeah. Before before you answer that, what is your position on uh, what is your position on incense in worship? Incense? Yeah, it gives me a headache. To be honest. Okay, I, I could um, say the same in, about loud music. <laughs> yeah, well, loud music gives me a headache too. Um, I don't I don't love incense just because I don't I just don't like incense in any context. But like, you think it's fine? Uh, well. Mm. Mm. See, I know it was commanded in the like well, it was part of the like offerings and stuff in in the Old Testament. And so in that way it's kind of like I I don't know. I don't remember anywhere where it says do not do this anymore. Hmm. Ever. Don't ever use incense anymore. It's a sin if you do. 
And so maybe we should be, but something about it feels like Catholicism to me. <laughs> and so, uh, you know what I mean? Like smells and bells is just not really something that I associate with. Um, what I would see is like Orthodox Protestant worship, hmm. but I've not really thought about insensitive worship. That's probably my best answer. <laughs> All right. All right. How do you feel about it, David? I I think that there are a number of types and like typological worship elements uh, that <laughs> were done away with in the in the Old Testament, and I would I would say incense is definitely one of those. Okay. Because of the sacrifice, because it's part of the sacrificial system, we no longer have that. Is that yeah, because of its because it is part of the 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 system of types and shadows, um, the mm-hmm. the beggarly things that uh, Paul refers to. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I I think I'd be on board with that. Yeah, I would say I'm literally thinking about it as we speak because I haven't. <laughs> it's not a topic I've thought about. So really, the question, the only question then is, are instruments lumped into that? into that mix. Well, seeing as how instruments are clearly used in the Psalms, I've never really understood the argument as to why they shouldn't be used in. Well, so is, so is incense. That's the thing. And like in those same Psalms, you'll often Psalms. find what's that. Well, if, if they were originally written like to be played on instruments, why would you think that they should not be sung now on instruments? Why do the, why does the fact that there's an instrument involved change the nature of the worship. I don't quite, that's, that's, I guess what I'm not understanding. It doesn't change the nature of the worship. The question is what has God commanded us to offer? Like you could also argue like, how does incense change the nature of the worship? Like if you, if you, I don't think he's God, I don't think he's commanded us not to use instruments. Has he? He's, he has commanded us to do away with, to do away with the weak and beggarly things like circumcision, like, like offering incense, like sacrifices. But why are instruments in the same category as circumcision? Because they were part of the Levitical priesthood. Like the people who, the people who played the instruments were, were specifically the Levites. No, no but they're part of music. <laughs> That's uh, more broadly than just the Levit- Levitical system. Like instruments are a way of making music and singing is usually, well, singing is a form of music as well. And often they go together. In fact, they go well together because instruments help people keep people in tune. You know what I mean? Right. Instruments give, give people something to sing to. So you can, I mean, I know for a fact that a lot of people who are exclusive somebody are also into singing parts, which is great, right? Like singing harmonies and, and you know, alto, soprano, tenor, whatever, like picking different parts right. and singing those parts or learning to sing those parts. And I'm all for that in a way. I think it's always good for people to um, enhance their knowledge of musical theory. Some people are just terrible at singing. Like they are basically, they're just tone deaf and they can't do that. Like you could spend thousands of hours trying to teach them to sing a harmony and they won't be able to pick a harmony for a melody. Like it's just how some people are wired. Right. So to say that for the rest of your life, we're not going to give you anything to even guide you in a melody. We're just going to make you sing tone deaf in amongst a whole group of people who are learning to sing parts and sing it well. I don't know. Just, I don't see why that becomes a, like an old covenant, new covenant issue. It, it's, I, I, I don't lump that in that category of something to be done away with because I just think it's a helpful, um, not necessary, but certainly a helpful thing that, uh, that seems to be throughout all times and places uh, one of not just a help helpful thing, but one of the 
beneficial things about music is that it sounds nice. Um, and I think I don't see an issue with something that we're offering in worship to God sounding nice. Um, now that doesn't mean I think we should have smoke machines and light shows because it looks nice. <laughs> you know, it's not to me, that's not in the same category because that's adding something that isn't actually even helpful. It's just adding something for the sake of adding something. Whereas adding instruments to music is, well, that's for a lot of people who aren't musically gifted in vocal, in a vocal sense, that's, that's what they see as music. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's partly because of our, our relatively recent, um, insistence on it. I mean, Hmm. Some of what you're doing feels a little bit like begging the question. Um, or pragmatism. (laughs) Well, there's, there's that like, let me, let me be clear. I think that a church that has, let's say a piano or a relatively simple instrument. Um, and they have somebody who plays it a relatively plays it relatively simply so that the con like, because they don't have somebody who has a strong enough voice to lead the congregation in worship. I would put that in a, I'd still object to that, but I'd put that in a different category from, a church that has say five musicians up front who are playing for the purpose for the purpose of worshiping God. So like there's a difference between like we're we have a minimal amount of help for people so that they can sing on tune so that they can, you know, so that they can sing. Um, <laughs> and that's not what we would call worship. That's that's kind of we would want to call that a circumstance. We, we would want to say the piano player is not playing the piano unto God. He's playing the piano for everybody else in the congregation so that they can, so that they can keep pitch. Uh, I would want to put that in a different category from a church that has even two or three musicians or even just one musician, but like his thing is a performance for God. So everybody else is singing, but that guy is playing and, and that is, that's his, that's the service that he offers all things for the glory of God. That's different from worship. Was like that? The, the, yes, we are supposed to do all things, all, all things to the glory of God, but that is different from worship. But is worship not something that is also part of our lives, not just something that happens in church on Sundays? I, I wouldn't accept that premise in, in, in those terms, no. Okay. Like, I, I, so I do agree are, that we are supposed to do everything for the glory of God, but when you start calling everything worship, worship is is offering to God what he has commanded, I, I would want to argue. Um, it, it's a service directly to God. Well, I, w- I would say directly that's to God. corporate worship. Well, that's corporate worship, but... But worship is so you're completely against the idea of worship as as a lifestyle worship as in I'm bringing I'm, giving God the glory that is due Him in all aspects of life. I'm completely for glorifying <clears throat> God in everything that we do. I'm just against using the term worship to define that. Interesting, because when I when I help my neighbor, I wouldn't call that an act of worship to God. I would call that an act of obedience perhaps. Uh, but I wouldn't call it because I'm, I'm helping my neighbor. I'm not, I'm not doing the thing directly for God. I'm doing the thing for my neighbor. But the definition of worship is a feeling or expression of reverence and adoration. Yeah. That's an awful definition. That's a, that's a terrible definition that just defined worship as a feeling. Well, you could say an act then of showing reverence if you want to say expression instead of yeah, I don't like feeling. any of those so definitions. Even if, you, even if you remove feeling. Yeah. But so, so what I'm trying to get at here is it feels like you have 
created a definition of worship that is actually different to what the word means. Well, maybe, maybe and what you the, think that's maybe the what, right definition, maybe what modern American dictionary, but like the, the word that we're talking about comes <laughs> from a Greek word, uh, the origin of which is to, to bow down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so should we not be bowing the knee in all areas of our lives? So when you are helping your neighbor, uh, you could be doing that as a complete, as a non-Christian and therefore you're just doing it as a, as a good deed, right? Which is nothing to do with what you believe. If you're doing it because Jesus has commanded you to love your neighbor, are you therefore not bowing the knee to Jesus in your service of others? Yes, but worship the way that I'm trying to use the term, if you wanted to call that worship, like I I get, I get why you would want to do that. And I don't have, I don't have objections to understanding that as maybe a form of worship, but the problem is that Mm -hmm. like what we need is some sort of word for things that we do that are not for our neighbor, but are solely for God. Like we need a word for that. That's a thing that we need to be able to, to latch onto and to have for me, that word is worship. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you Mm -hmm. use the word worship as like, Oh, well I'm worshiping God while I tie my shoes. Then like the, the, the idea of us doing something for God has no word. Like, you know, when, when we sing and we sing for the glory of God, there's no word for that. Like we don't have that in our, in our vocabulary. If, if we can't use worship for that because it's used for a broader thing. Okay. Like you agree with me I that there is a distinction for that. Or, or a worship <laughs> service. Yeah, there is a distinction, but I would, I would say there's a difference between the worship service or the act of corporately worshiping with other believers or, you know, singing as worship and as singing prayer and, you know, what happens on a Sunday in a Sunday church service, basically as a time of worship. But you do these things uh, I would s- individually and with your family as well. Like you, like when you, when you of pray before you a meal, that is an act of worship in, in the same, in, in a different sense from how you would want to say that eating the meal is an act of worship. Sure. Yeah. But I don't think that negates the use of the term. I just think the term is used differently in different cases. So in, in any case, that's, that's the distinction that I want to draw. The distinction I want to draw is maybe we could call, maybe we could call it uh, worship of God alone or worship, worship to God. Or like if we, if just for the purposes of this conversation, the question is, should, should you be offering, uh, should you be offering to God directly things that he has not commanded you to be offering? And that, that's, that's where the regulative principle comes in, right? Well, I would want to look at the passage that you're saying that says to do away with uh, what was the term you used? Uh, weak and beggarly things, types and shadows. Weak and beggarly things, types and shadows. Yeah. Um, I would want to work out whether or not instruments actually fit into that category. And I think, I, I, I don't necessarily think that they, well, I don't think that they do. You obviously think they do. Right. Um, so I, I, I guess, um, how do I explain this? I guess looking at the old Testament, there are a lot, like you said, there are a lot of things that happen in the Psalms that we don't need to do anymore. And they're quite, there's quite clear reasons for why we don't need to do those anymore. Like the sacrificial system, like setting up a tent and packing it down and moving it when, you know, like when, when we're told to, uh, like having a particular building called a temple in a particular city that, you know, that, uh, we, we, uh, take certain amounts of money to and pigeons to, and all this kind of thing like this, you know, that there are certain things that we just don't need to do anymore. Mm-hmm because they were clearly done away with Jesus fulfilled um, the law. He, and he established uh, and you know, his kingdom on earth and there was a different, so there's a different, we're in a different covenant. Now there are different ways that that's enacted in terms of how we respond to him. 
Um, I don't see though why. So I can see like, you know, Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. We no longer need an Old Testament sacrificial system of blood sacrifice with animals and, um, you know, incense sacrifices with using incense and stuff like that. Um, I don't see how uh, using a musical instrument to help you sing a song well is is in the same category as the sacrificial system that it would be, if we were still using it, would be a clear affront to what Jesus did on the cross. Uh, I don't see how having a piano and a guitar rather than just a piano played um, blandly uh, would be an affront to what Jesus did on the cross. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, can't make that connection logically and consistently. Well, you could, you could make the I'm same, you, you can make the I'm same argument for how you're doing it. <laughs> you can make the same argument for incense, right? Like, um, because incense, like if, if your only argument for doing away with something is this is an affront to the cross because Jesus already did that, then incense doesn't make sense to get rid of either. Actually, a lot of things from the old covenant don't necessarily make sense to, to get rid of circumcision, uh, wouldn't necessarily make sense to get rid of. Um, what was the point of burning incense? Uh, we see in revelation that it is a type of the prayers of the saints. Mm-hmm. Um, So considering Jesus taught us how to pray and said nothing about incense, why would we not get, why would we not do away with that? Right. Well, the apostle Paul commands us to sing and said nothing about instruments. Right. But the apostle Paul also said nothing about baptizing babies. (laughs) So so what I'm saying is to baptize people in the new covenant though. That's a, that's a different, like what you're doing is you're saying like the command is to, to make disciples and baptize. And you're saying that because Mm -hmm. he didn't specifically say babies, like I could make the same argument about women. He didn't specifically say women, but because, yeah, but because he didn't specifically say instruments, you're saying like, I was just making the same argument that you made to be clear. Yeah. I, okay. So what's a draw? So <laughs> no, I was, that's, try, that's I was what trying. I'm pointing out. I'm pointing out there's, there is inconsistency in what you think is the most consistent argument because you, what you're ascribing to baptism, which is that you ha- have to infer, we have to be able to infer things from scripture right, in order to work out what we believe to be the truth that scripture is proclaiming in every area. <laughs> like everyone right. does hermeneutics. Yeah. Somehow, I completely somehow. agree. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so, I would just say this is an example of a time where you and I are doing the hermeneutics slightly differently and we both think that we're doing it faithfully. Right. Um, and and I don't see how, I, I, if I'm doing the wrong thing, I would like to, to know that I'm doing the wrong thing and correct it, obviously. And I would think you would say the same thing. Like neither of us want to be in sin in the way that we worship God or go about living our lives day to day or anything that we're doing. Um but I don't, I don't seem to be able to fit using an instrument in worship in the same category that you do. And I would say it's because I'm inferring from what I read in scripture that, that they were used in the old Testament uh, in terms of actually just a practical means of like this, this song was written to be played, uh, played on this instrument. I don't see how playing a certain song on a harp is something to do something that there needs to be done away with because we, um, don't like harps anymore in the well, new covenant. Like I don't see how that connection is there. That's another, uh, I think you'd have to infer that rather than actually drawing that. And therefore, if it's an inference, then it's one that you've got to hold pretty loosely. I would imagine that's another, another issue is like 
maybe you could make the case that we should preserve playing the instruments that got assigned. Uh, but if, if, uh, Nadab and Abihu got, got burnt alive for offering strange fire for using a, a different, uh, a different set of, uh, ingredients in their incense, then maybe we probably shouldn't bring our own instruments instead of the ones that God commanded. So can I ask you a question? Yeah. When, when you take communion, do you only take it out of a wooden cup? Like a chalice? That's not that's not part of the command. But but what you're talking about when when you say, uh, well, we're not commanded to use a harp. It's just that that. But that's, that is the thing. Is like <laughs> we. It doesn't say praise him with whatever instruments you can find. Like there are specific instruments. Sure, that's a different that, thing. Right. There's yeah. That that's a different that's a different psalm. I'm talking about when at the beginning of the psalm it says you know, for the lyre or something. I mean, that, that was, it was, it's saying that this was written on this instrument. Now, even if you wanted to say, okay, that one should only be played on that because that's what it was written for. Fine. But there's a whole bunch of Psalms that don't say they're written on any instrument. Um, and, and so I just don't know. I, I, I like the idea of relative principle and even EP people saying we want to be as faithful as we absolutely can be to what we're um, allowed to do, like what we're commanded to do and therefore allowed to do. Right. What I don't, what I can't get on board with though is saying um, there is zero freedom for improvement in, I mean, you know, how do they, how do they read the Psalms? How do they, how do they learn the Psalms? Did they know all 150 Psalms off, off by heart? If not, was it written on parchment? Was someone, you know, they had a cantor. Was there somewhere, a cantor? Somebody, somebody who led the singing. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. But that person read it off some, some kind of medium, right? You mean the music or the words? Uh, the, the, the words, words probably off of some kind of medium. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't we don't use that medium anymore. Does that make us in the wrong? Okay. So so you're you're doing a thing here, which is not distinguishing between the idea of something that is offered to God specifically as worship, like when somebody plays the electric guitar solo in Mighty to Save as an act of worship to God <laughs> versus like wearing pants instead of a robe or wearing shoes. Like nobody, nobody says, well, it's no, the no, new no, covenant. No, no. And so I'm, I wear pants unto God. Um, I'm not trying to do that because what I said before was I see the role of instruments in, I, I guess what I'm arguing for here, we could have a separate discussion about whether or not um, when you're playing your instrument, that is the same kind of worship as when you're singing the words that everyone else is singing and those words being sung directly to and about God. Right. That is, that is kind of a separate qu- question. What I'm talking about is, is actually ha- having instruments involved in the music making process to help the people of God sing the song that they're singing to God. Is that in and of itself a bad thing? And I don't think it is. And I don't, I don't even, I would even go probably go so far to say is that, just because it's not a lyre or a harp and we've got a new invention called a guitar. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't see that as sinful just because it's not the exact same thing that we, because otherwise I would say that your when the allowance you kind of made about the piano, you shouldn't be making that allowance at all. I know you said you wouldn't really still be keen on it, but you, you shouldn't be at all keen I'm, on it. You right. should be saying no instruments ever at all. I, what I'm saying is it's a, it's a different kind of thing. So, so in the Psalms, what we have is a, a very specific subset of Israel who were commanded to, to play particular instruments in a particular way. Um, and, and that group of people was the Levites. Uh, 
in the New Testament, we know that the Levites are no longer a thing. There's no Levitical priesthood. So when the question is asked, mm-hmm. like, okay, well, who should play the instruments? Because nobody was allowed to other than the Levites in, in, in the worship of God uh, before. So like, mm-hmm. who should do it now? We don't have Levites. Since you can't answer that question, mm-hmm. it becomes very difficult to, but, but in the Old Testament, when the Levites were playing the lyre, when they were playing the harp, when they were playing these instruments, they were doing that as an act of worship to God. Now, if you wanted to make the case that like m- instruments can be indifferent and if they're just helping people, that's a different discussion than the one that maybe I want to have. I would want to say, I don't think they're as necessary as you think they are. I don't think they're even necessarily as helpful as you might think they are, but I do, I do have a certain level of mercy for a church that maybe plays a recording or, or has, has again, a simple instrument that can be played while also singing. Um, because I understand recordings made of people playing instruments anyway. Well, no, I mean, I can show you acapella recordings. That's easy enough. Um, or okay, maybe it is a recording of, a, of an I instrument, but the point is like, there's a distinction. Most, most people do not think about instruments in the way that you do. Uh, and the, the, the conversation I want to have first is should we be offering musical instrument worship or musical instrument? Uh, sorry, instrumental music as an act of worship to God, because that's what most people on most worship teams are thinking. They're like, I'm here to help the congregation, Mm -hmm. but I'm also playing this instrument to God. Um, Well, I think when they're playing it to God, that's like tying your shoes for God or something like you're doing an activity, which is part of your living, which you want to bring glory to God. Uh, I've always somewhat struggled with the idea and I've been in worship teams for a lot of years now. I've always somewhat struggled to understand how my, I guess you could say it's part of a sound that is pleasing to God. That would be the only way that I could think of it as my actual playing is is somehow worshiping God. Like the notes I'm playing are worshiping God. Then if you wanted to, you know, that would be one way of understanding that. I guess I can get my head around that and I can maybe be on board with it, but it's not my main argument. My main argument would be that the instruments are there to help the congregation sing nicely together and therefore not be distracting and stuff like that. Yeah. And Um, I would just want to say, I think there's a way to help the congregation like that, that doesn't have the appearance of Judaizing. Um, Because if we made the same case that like, you know, the offerings, we know that they don't take away sin, but we have them every week. You know, we have a slaughtered lamb every week to help people understand the, the impact of the cross to help people. And like, if you were to make that argument, like, okay, that's different. I'm glad that you're not trying to do with these sacrifices. What, what was commanded in the old Testament, but you know what you're doing looks like Judaizing and that's really not helpful. But the, but the, the accusation of Judaizing could it has always felt to me like could be countered by the accusation of legalism to the um, regulative principle person in terms of being able to say, uh, and and I'm, I'm becoming more and more regulative principle, the more I go, I'm just not EP. But I guess what I'm saying is, um, you know, that we cannot do this because it's not commanded. We, we don't see in the, in the Bible play a guitar. And so therefore we can't play a guitar like that to me. Could you could argue that that is a form of legalism rather than actually inferring, well, they played, instruments when they were, when they were singing to God in the old Testament. And therefore we can play instruments now um, because they're not something that Jesus necessarily did away with. Although I guess you could argue that in a meandering way on the other point of um, we don't have the Levites anymore. uh, We also, you know, the Levites were responsible for a whole range of things. One of them would have been stewarding the resources that came into the temple, right? Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the role of the deacons in the new Testament were were given a specific office for that. Accounting the money is the role of the deacons. Yeah, handling handling finances, handling like much of what the much much of what the Levites were supposed to handle is is to be handled by the deacons, and we see various examples <laughs> sure. of that throughout Scripture. 
Yeah. But would you say there are any roles that exist in the modern church that weren't because of the the context we live in and things like that, that you're right. The deacons probably do cover that one, but would you say there are any others that aren't specifically covered in scripture? I think lots of churches have them. Uh, you know, the idea of a youth pastor, like, the idea of a, a worship pastor, well, like whose responsibility is it to lock the building after your Sunday? That would be a deacon. <laughs> Like that just makes sense. Why? Because yeah. he's, but that's nowhere in scripture. That's nowhere in scripture. You're inferring that. <laughs> that could be something done by the same person who scrubs the toilet. No, no, no. Floor. The, 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 like, the category, the broad category of admit. <laughs> well, no, it could be, it could totally be the person who like, like you're asking whose responsibility is it to make sure that it happens. That's a deacon. Like in terms of like, if things are stolen, who was supposed to be administering that a deacon because the deacon has the spiritual gift of administration. But if, <laughs> if, if, if the deacon says to the janitor, Hey, when you're done lock up and the janitor locks up, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not art- articulating that like, Oh, only on, like th- that, th- that would have no basis in scripture to, to suggest that. But the, this is the okay. thing about the thing about the things that we specifically offer to God. And this is, this is the point I want to make about the regulative principle. Uh, and then we should wrap up cause I know you have to go, but the thing about the yeah. regulative principle is you have to flip like you're, you're saying the regulative principle might sound like worship or it might sound like legalism in some context in some ways, but you have to flip your understanding like in, in regular life. If it's not commanded, we can do it. But with the regulative principle, this is a thing about offering things to God in worship saying, God, you wanted this here. It is. We only get to do the things we only get to offer to God specifically the things that he's commanded. And so the, the idea of like, may I do this? The answer defaults to no. It's, it's like, it's like in programming. Like if, if you set a default and then something has to change that for all of life, the answer is yes, unless scripture says no, but for worship, the answer is no, unless scripture says yes, which means you have to actively make a case for doing the thing. And so for instruments, the tricky thing, the tricky things I find with instruments and, and maybe, you know, somebody in the Slack can argue with me. You can argue with me when you have more time. The tricky thing with instruments is showing that the like in the old Testament, the only people who were allowed to play instruments were the Levites. So we have to, we have to in worship as an act of worship to God. And so in the new Testament, we have to be able to say this group of people may play instruments. And and if you can't justify, you can't say, well, I'm the new Testament Levite. I'm the new Testament musician. If you can't, if you can't point to that, then nobody should play them. And and it's better to have a clean conscience and to know like I'm not I'm not breaking the regulative principle. I'm not giving to God what he hasn't commanded. Then it then it would be to uh except the Levitical system was done away with. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, I have to go. We need to continue. But it doesn't mean that everything they did doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, it does. Right? Like they they No, well that no, it happens in a different, it happens in a different way. So administration, <laughs> like look, uh, <laughs> some of the specific tasks they did are not needed anymore in the new covenant, but there are other things about being the body of Christ, being the people of God in a, in a corporate act of work, in a corporate setting of worship that still do need to happen. Um, and so those things somehow still need to happen. Right. And because of, yeah, I, anyway, you'd have to, I think it all comes down to inference and whether or not you infer that, um, instruments are in the category of, you know, former things which have now passed away and don't need to be done anymore. And I just, yeah, we need to talk about it another time. Cause I have to go. All right. <laughs> Thanks Craig. This has been a fun meandering episode and instruments are technically technology. So this totally works. The meander <laughs> The meander I was going to call it slash dev slash random. <laughs> no worries to make our right. uh, reform dev 
uh, guys happy. Anyway, thanks, Craig. Okay. See ya. Bye. This has been episode 191 of the Tech Reformation podcast. If you like this episode, you can share it with your friends. Uh, if you are looking for more episodes, you can find them by going to techreformation.com. And if you would like to discuss the things that we have discussed in this episode and yell at me for being uh, me, you can go to slack.techreformation.com, register there, join our little Slack group, and you can follow up on these subjects in the episode discussion channel. Thank you for listening to the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. We'll see you again next week. I ain't looking back. No, no, I ain't looking back.